0: Welcome to our webinar event called How Enterprises Can Survive an Economic Downturn. I'm Aram Mokumuf, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Crowdlinker and the host of this panel. Just a quick tidbit on Crowdlinker. uh, We're a digital product and venture studio. We work with uh, scale ups and enterprises across the world with companies like FreshBooks, Shopify, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment and many others to help discover, design and develop impactful digital products uh today on our uh, webinar we have shelly bardet from ibm and mohan gulati uh, from theorem one Uh, shelly and mohan work with enterprises across sectors on various digital transformation initiatives and have lots of practical advice to share with us today Uh, i've actually been fortunate enough to have the opportunity to interview them both on our podcast um in, in 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 you know a while ago so for me, it's a welcome back. Thanks for uh thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks Glad you're back. Thanks
0: for having us. Awesome. Um, so let's dive into today's topic, which is, you know, for many in the market, very timely, right? You know, we're going through an economic downturn. What do we do? You know, what should we think about? What should we consider? Um this quarter specifically, like calendar. Uh, quarter end has been very also enlightening. Lots of uh, uh, things happening in the tech community, the crypto market, lots of layoffs, uh, interest rates are at an all-time high. So, you know, lots of uh, direction and vision in many ways that needs to be kind of realized going into the new year. Um, so the first question I have, um, you know, for you guys today is, uh Assume that I'm an enterprise executive or a leader, um, watching everything going on right now in the world and trying to think of what do I do. So where should I even begin to make sense of what's kind of happening in in the in the greater market and whether or not my organization will survive like this this period of uncertainty. Um so Shelly, maybe I'll start up with you first.
2: Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the first thing we need to consider is like how we cut out all of the noise, right? So there is a lot going on. There's a lot of instability. Uh, there's a lot of headlines that tend to sensationalize things. Um, but I think f- for me, it's really thinking about how you how you start with a strong vision. I think that's like the m- most important thing we need to be focusing on as executives in organizations. So. Thinking about, you know, what the vision is for your organization and what you want to be known for um, and then working towards that. And then from there, you know, if you start with a really strong sense of what you want to be known for, and that's now as well as on the other side of this downturn, um, I think that's important. I think communicating that clearly to your teams um, is also extremely important so that ideally everyone can band together and work towards this one common purpose. I think purpose a purpose-led approach is, is so important and that you can anchor yourself in what your purpose is, what you want to be known for, and then focus on that. And then when we start to think about know what we need to do to survive i mean we've been we've been through this we've been we've been here before um obviously there were a ton of lessons learned and takeaways from uh what we just experienced over the last couple years with covid um and so i think you know focusing and going beyond kind of the idea of now you know continuity planning cash preservation like we, we should have already done that, and now we kind of need a shift and think about, okay, what is what is going to be necessary for the longevity of, of my business? Um, and I think innovation plays a huge part in that, uh, but it's really kind of structuring it around how we, how we lead with purpose and how we're very conscious to... Um, whether we're developing products or delivering services, you know, what, what is it that our customers need from us? And then how are we meeting those needs through whatever we're, we're innovating um, or the products that
1: we're building.
0: Okay. Um, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, first, like, I think Shelly talked about a lot of the right things. I mean, this is absolutely look to the past to understand where you're going to go in the future. And, um, we have been here before, um, not just in COVID, but even back to 2009 when we went through a seismic uh, kind of recession again. And um, if you look back and see how, to, how you survive and how you kind of manage and lead an organization, strong vision and strategy, right? So vision that's tied to a strategy that uh, needs to have really, really clear um, focus areas and how you're going to get through that. So that your organization can then respond back and fulfill upon that vision is super critical to get through this time period, and tying that to both your OpEx and your CapEx, right? Like, first of all, we have to recognize that this is this is a, this is a reality. You're going through it, um, but when you're in a position of, of leadership and, and leading organizations and enterprises, um, the immediate kind of default action is how do I start to manage? Uh, Cash flow and how do I manage where I'm at right now? And that obviously looks at your OPEX, but it can also look at your CAPEX and the delicate balance is tied to a, what is your vision? How do you see yourself coming out stronger, looking to the past to tie that to that strategy and that vision?
0: Okay. So I'm hearing a lot of good things, vision, strategy, comms plan, but let's try to dissect that a bit more and actually, you know, uh for people who are going to be listening explain what does that really mean like what is visiting your vision and your strategy and your comms plan how do you unify the teams how do you get you know f- sent focused or um streamlined towards a common purpose because i think with enterprises that's it's a behemoth right in most cases like large companies have a they don't work as quickly as a startup. They don't work as quickly as like a fast moving um, entrepreneurs building a new company. So there's a lot of innovation that happens in downturns. Like from the pandemic, for example, there was lots of companies that got created that started disrupting the market and growing and getting um, lots of attention, especially in the e-commerce world. But now that that's slowed down, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, I got hit and I'm getting hit now by another economic downturn. So. Yeah, let's maybe just focus on that in terms of an enterprise. What does actually, where does the vision come from? Who does it come from? Who compiles the strategy and and the comms plan um, that gets rolled out? Um, Amon, maybe I'll start with you first here.
1: Um, so great question. I mean, in an economic downturn, you've got a vision, but it's going to be a strong partnership between the CEO and the CFO. Um, and ultimately your leadership team. Um, the CFO is looking at how to make things work while the CEO is trying to tell you where they want to get to. So it's, it's a it's a hand-in-hand you know, hand kind of thing. You're working in tandem with each other. And um, it really comes down to how do you turn the constraints that the CFO has into opportunities? And I, I'm going to just use examples because um, I do think that organizations that can look to how others have done it in the past and while maybe they're not as lean or as, as shifty or as quick as, as some of the you know startup world that we talk about, I actually think the mindset of a startup needs to be adopted very much during this time set. And it's the mindset, not necessarily the, the practicality or the nimbless of it. So for example, looking at what are the, you know, what's the industry doing right now and, and being able to tie that to um, where you want to double down on and have clear strategic purpose right so um, a good example is Samsung in 2009 where they kind of saw where the market was going with the LCD panels and the market was like people need cheap LCD panels right they need to get in the quality of that and, their, and the mass production of it and that's where the industry was going Samsung saw that as an opportunity to actually double down on quality and produce really high-end. And they invested, I think, during the downturn, like $7 billion, um, which opened up post-recession over 30% in in growth, right? So to me, that kind of thinking now helps you plan for the future and, and also gives you practical advice. So it is the CEO who makes those kind of decisions, but it's very much assisted by that budgetary arm of the CFO and what they're getting as input from their management and leadership team looking for these types of operations. And as in this example, it was driven through innovation,
0: right? An innovative mindset. Mm. Uh, Shelly, what are your thoughts in terms of how do you actually do it? I (laughs) completely agree.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think the, the mindset is particularly important here, right? So sure. It may not be practical, As a startup, but adopting that type of agility and that mindset um, can be really important. In how you how you structure your teams um, and create that kind of culture, so that supports this type of change. I think also like. You mentioned earlier this the disruptors that, that we saw pop up during COVID, right? I think it's to look to industry to see and understand what's happening and then try to capitalize on those opportunities. I think also looking at those adjacent industries where you may think like, oh, this is not really a competitor of mine. Um, but in fact, it very quickly could become that. And I think we've constantly seen that shift where uh, companies are reinventing themselves and then all of a sudden a competitor comes out of nowhere. and you're hit, you know, from left field. I think we have to be aware of that, right? And so um, not boxing yourself in to only focus on who you think is directly in front of you, but also looking around to kind of understand where things um, may be coming out of. And then how do you pivot in a way where you can respond to those those disruptions. Um, and so if that means like you do have an innovation uh, team where you are actively investing and in giving space to to having those those teams be able to respond to some of that disruption um, could be a strategy where you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket, but that you're at least able to respond um, and think about how you can take advantage of that opportunity.
0: Okay. I wanna talk a bit more about like, um, in terms of like a downturn, when you need to do innovation to get out of it or to disrupt. As a CFO for example you're thinking about like preserving cash right you're thinking about okay how do I extend my runway for as long as possible so things like layoffs you know come to mind and we've seen that been happening a lot in the tech world uh globally right not just in the Canada and the US um so when it comes to like disruption um as like a executive at an enterprise where should I be how and where should I be doubling down my efforts around like innovation and how to get the product teams to disrupt. Um, do I mm, hire more people, you know, if the performance and the results haven't been there or, you know, do I bring on consultants to help me, you know, to think through, okay, what am I not seeing that maybe they are, um, But then also most importantly, like, you know, retaining talent is tough because you got to like, you got to, you know, give them that confidence that you're going to be able to see this through. Um, So, sorry. Lots of questions there. (laughs) Um, Shelly, how about I, 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 I start off with you. Um, So it's, it's about the first one was about how, and, and what do you do with your innovation and product teams?
2: Sure. Yeah. So um, maybe I'll just address your other question first as well. I think always hire consultants, Um, but no, but honestly I think this concept of doing innovation really like it, it, it it doesn't it doesn't need and it shouldn't be this thing that we do on the side or that we think of think of a, as an exclusive thing. It needs to be an inclusive practice to your organization and part of your operating model. So when I think about our our strategy and um, you know defining our vision and then building a strategy, thinking about how we we execute on that strategy, I think your innovation team uh, needs to be part of that strategy and really um, purposeful in terms of laying out those core business objectives so that they, your innovation team has, they have metrics, right? Of course, like there needs to be space for creativity and curiosity. And I really hate this concept of like failure, but Anyways, we need to be able to try things, right? So that so I understand there needs to be a little bit more flexibility or agility to how we structure our innovation teams. But with that being said, like there are metrics that we can um, put in place for our teams to ensure that we're constantly adding value um, and that we're the the innovation that is happening within the organization is helping us achieve what our our core business objectives are so i think that's really important um and then your other question um around talent and talent um, retaining talent i mean the great thing about what we're ha- what we're seeing right now is that it's you know, there's, there's of course, there's been a, lot, a ton of layoffs in the tech space, um, and that creates a level of uncertainty and instability. Uh, however, it also creates a lot of opportunity because now we have all these really talented people who are coming into the talent pool that we're able to to capture and try to retain for organizations, perhaps that are in industry that could really benefit from having the technical expertise of someone from an Amazon or, you know, from a Twitter, depending on on what you're trying, where you're trying to lead the organization. Um, But I think the the key there for teams or technical resources, teams that you're trying to attract, but as well as retain, it is to ensure that, One, everyone is clear on what we're trying to achieve and that we also have um the right focus and the right environment to um support like them being successful in that environment that's everything from the strategy from the top but also like um having the right tools and the environments to be able to actually create i think there was a few other questions but maybe uh No, I think it, ideas.
0: you got through them in different, in different orders, but thank yeah. you. Um, I'm on, what, 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 what are your thoughts on, on those questions?
1: Um, I'm just going to start off saying, I was listening to you very intently. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, one of the things that I, I, I have a different mindset, which is like fail fast, fail first, um, and from quickly so you can quickly learn and embrace failure. And I think in a time of like, um, economic downturn people are afraid of that and i think that um you need to have hope um and hypotheses an objective prediction and an execution plan and and my mindset goes into that kind of mindset is how do you start to do that so stepping all the way back into like where we're we're at is like yes you have strategy but an enterprise organization is not thinking about just the holistic strategy they kind of have compartmentalized and i kind of go back to what is your innovation strategy, right? And this has to be kind of from from beforehand. Like in some of the conversations I have, it's like, what is truly uh, the strategic projects that you're working on and why are they strategic? Do you understand your priorities? What are your business goals? And what are the impact you're trying to make both in the short-term and in the long-term, right? So this kind of has to be part of the overall thinking and um, true leadership in my opinion, true innovation, the companies that actually have invested during this downturn time uh, the the numbers and metrics the proof is there again from the past that this actually leads to higher growth margins and those that invest right so I'm not going to quote numbers because it sounds you know I've done a number of that it's just practically speaking there there's definitely evidence that proves that to do that and when I talk to um, leadership in in and all the up to the CEO and talk to them about what they're doing right now what I what I Often tell you is like, where is your mind at? What is the business objectives, and how bold do you want to be, <laughs> right? What, are the, the, what is it? What is it that you want to kind of get out of this? And when it comes to boldness, like I think of one of my classic examples that I thought was like super super smart, but like I go back to is like what Adobe did, right? Adobe was like everybody used to buy those package softwares and install them into their computers and whatnot, and they in the middle of a downturn looked at like what's happening in an industry and saw an opportunity and they wanted to experiment right they wanted to be innovative and they said we're gonna go and they I think they bought this company called Omniture is it some Omniventure or something like that I can't remember the name exactly they were a SaaS product and they used that to start offering testing their product as a SaaS product mm-hmm. during this downturn. And that turned into like a fantastic plan, right? They actually saw after the downturn a 25% year over year increase in their stock park, right? They like, to me, that was a really good example of spoken about some a bold move that somebody did to get out of it. Um, so that's like, just answering that first part of the, the, I don't know, you had a multitude of questions here, no, but how what. To, <laughs> what. But like when you talk about people, right, you asked a lot of questions about talent, um, man, oh man, oh man, this is like, going to be a little bit unpolitical here. If you're letting people go, how good are they? <laughs> right. Part of my mindset is like this, you got to be truthful to what you get. But also like, if you're being let go from some of these organizations, there's also a pay equity question right some of these people are coming from organizations that are used to getting paid uh you know an astounding amount and we and we've been looking at this ourselves like do we hire this type of talent or not and while it's very um i feel like it's just a normal part of your operating thinking where right? you got to look at like the current be able to assess what the talent you have today um are you the toronto maple leaf example <laughs> you know you got to look at your, your your lineup who's on your lineup and then who are you going to actually add and, you know, sometimes you got to look at the production. So if, you know, Kerrford's not producing this year, then maybe it's time to move on. You know, I'm, I'm being totally controversial. All the Toronto Maple Leaf fans are going to hate me. <laughs> 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 but I'm just like trying to make a point. And the point is like, this is part of your regular rhythm of work. The golden opportunity here is you do have opportunities to like, yeah, sure. There should be golden nuggets out there. Maybe you don't have to work as hard, but I would argue a, a super strong organization wants to invest in their hiring practices and be able to attract and retain talent as part of their overall strategic thinking not just innovation strategic thinking but overall strategic thinking and how that fits into your company culture into your company organization and how you're going to make impact overall um, to people because I'll tell you right now if you're only go-to is to start carving people down and start reducing your staff and not have any other kind and take away training, take away all my perks. Man, oh man, that's going to impact morale. And if that impacts morale, guess what? That's going to impact performance. So now all of a sudden your top performers are having low morale. I mean, this is not just now. You've got to navigate this always and, and be very judicious and prudent about what you're going to do. And that includes where you're going to make cuts. Be strategic. Um, A lot of organizations are, when the heyday of cash flow is there, are spending money on things that they probably shouldn't be anyways. Um, And, you know, those should be the first to go anyways. (laughs) And and kind of judiciously, again, going back to what are your strategies and what are your objectives?
0: I want to ask maybe a controversial question here or, you know, make a point here, but I think we've all read in the news about, you know, things happening at companies like Twitter and, and Mm -hmm. Amazon. I'll talk about the Amazon example just for a second. Uh, because I think the majority, not the, well, a large part of the 10,000 people that were laid off, uh, recently at Amazon were either part of the robotics team Mm -hmm. or part of the Alexa team. Um, Obviously there was like some also back office, but it was a lot on actually the software and, uh, and, and, and innovation side and the hardware, right? Um, so it kind of makes me think, um, my question is like, you know, when doing, when going through a downturn like this, Alexa and the robotics investments were one of their most innovative projects that they've been doing over the years. So as a business like Amazon, why would I um, uh, do those type of reductions budget-wise or team-wise in those departments? Uh, and am I should be focusing on like my core, my core business versus further spend and investment in innovation? Um, so I'd love to get your thoughts on on that because like I think innovation can come from different places, but there's obviously that like, heavy R&D innovation, which might not be producing revenue, whereas I should be focusing more more maybe on like, how do I generate more revenue, right? From an innovation standpoint, right? So, should maybe I'll start off with you, your thoughts on on that whole thing. <laughs>
2: sure, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, you know, I think... That's an interesting one. Like what's what's happening at Amazon, or what's happened. Um, you know, it's been about seven years that Alexa has been on the market, right? And for seven years, we haven't really seen a lot of development. You know, it's more or less the same product off the shelf that I have, you know, on my shelf now. And we, we're seeing, you know, a lot of consumers say that um, that they're unplugging it because it just isn't functioning beyond um, the ability to turn off and on our lights or set a timer in the kitchen uh, or play, you know, our Spotify playlist. So um, I think like when we think about Amazon, we expect this level of innovation and R and D to be coming out of that organization. And with this product in particular you know, seven years and billions and billions of dollars later, they haven't really been able to move the dial. So who's to blame in that case. Right. You know, and then all, then all of a sudden they're, they're doing massive layoffs, but I think like there needs to be some accountability at the top because you know, it if this was in fact a big bet for them, and it was strategic, and they saw you know an opportunity to be able to create a monetization strategy, um, then you would think that Amazon would have been able to create that strategy to monetize the product, and we would have seen a lot more happen instead of instead they're bleeding. You know, I think ten billion dollars this year. Um, so I think that's a lack of focus. Honestly, I think they, you know, they had this idea, they invested as, as we, we all should be doing, but then it's this idea, like how, how far do you take it? How long do you let it bleed uh, without really actually saying, and it really having an honest conversation with your teams to be like, where is this going? And if it's treated just like, Uh, you know, a little side pet project, then there's likely not going to be the focus or the strategic direction required in order to actually achieve what you set out to. So I think, you know, there's there's a huge lesson in that, that it's okay to try, but obviously like if you can't figure it out and Google actually does a really great job of this, you know, Google's engineering team, um, when they're thinking about, you know, new innovations, uh, new technology, they they actually try to solve the hardest challenge first. And if they're unable to do that, like solve the biggest problem that they're trying to solve for, if they can't do that, they're incentivized to actually scrap the project entirely, write a business case as to why they believe that, that this project should not continue to go on. And they're incentivized to do that. And so it actually flips the, it flip, flips the the performance indicator um, on its head right so I, I think there's there's many lessons but I do think that the accountability lies with um, with a leadership team
0: okay I'll I have a follow-up question to that but I want to get Mohan thoughts first.
1: Do you uh, want to go ahead and ask the follow-up question? I mean, that's yeah. okay with me.
0: So so my follow-up question, okay, sure. <laughs> Back at you, Shelly. My <laughs> follow-up question is, okay. Because I have everything... for Shelly too. <laughs> <laughs> with everything you said there in terms of having the focus. So, you know, clearly the Alexa, the Amazon robotics, you know, divisions at Amazon were uh, just like R&D spend, right? So mm-hmm. as a business, and like, this is like, maybe a good example. So what's happening at Twitter? I don't know. It's very, you know, different, but you know, he's seeing that advertising business is not the way to go. I need to go to SaaS, Right. And they're trying to innovate quickly in terms of like, how do I make money in SAS? Right. So, so as a business leader, you know, when you're going through this process, you know, how do I prioritize budget per the business objectives that I, I need to like achieve? Because Should I be doubling down on like my core business and trying to grow that revenue? Uh, how much focus should I have just purely on that and just like figuring that out and like maybe tapping every, you know, sink faucet that I can in order to bleed out whatever I can, you know? Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of like my question because like innovation, you know, it could work, uh, in certain scenarios, but, I think at times like this, like, do you just double down on what, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, so the simple answer is I think we need to be doing both right now. The complexity obviously isn't how you do that. Um, So I think doubling down on what, you know, as long as you're, you're really certain that what you, what you think, you know, is actually like, the, the sentiment of who you're, who you're selling to, who your audience is, right? Like who is, who are your customers? So Twitter um, and, and this idea that we're, you know, we want to move to the SaaS based or subscription based model, right? Like by doing that, are, is he actually, is he actually creating any addition, additional value to his user base I would argue, no, nothing else is changing other than he's asking for a monthly fee to have a blue check mark. So I think like- Now you, you
1: know that they really want it, right, Shelley? Yeah,
2: yeah, so really yeah, well, checkmark. I don't know, right? I think it's still all the bots are buying the check Maybe The, the price needs to be increased, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I think like- really kind of understanding, uh, what, what your consumers want, um, you know, who your customers are and making sure that you're adding value is important to your core business. Um, and then when it comes to investing in, in R and D, um, or, you know, those bigger bets, um, I think that's equally important and there needs to be budget for that because I think like, the, the world is just changing and all of the time and there's new disruptors coming out on the market every single day. So you have to, you have to create, um, that budget in order to ensure that you are also, um, you're also going to be ready to tackle that disruption as well. I've been talking a lot, so maybe wow. I'll ask the mic over.
1: I'm on. Um, There's a company called um, Otter. Have you guys heard of it? Yeah. 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 So they came out like I think they got acquired now, but they came out with this really cool meeting software, voice recognition, AI transcription things. And I think of like that does play in the space of like where Alexa was playing and what. And it speaks to innovation. It speaks to the nimbleness of a a small organization to come in. And while yes, you're investing a lot of money, and you might say Alexa was. I think what Amazon is saying to us, and I don't know, I'm not in the rooms to understand their strategies, but what I think they're saying to us is that um, we recognize that this market for us is not a place where we can grow anymore and we need to, and you know, we're recognizing that and we're changing and there's other players in that, and that's seven years ago. So what I, makes me think about is where are they investing? Cause you know, they're investing. Putting a dollar somewhere, um, and this speaks to your other question, right? Which is like, what am I doing? Like, well, so organizations like Amazon, Google, whoever they are, they definitely have an innovation portfolio, right? And there, there's like this impact, you know, on the, on the on one axis is like an impact um, analysis or a way of measuring impact, and then there's a way of like looking at your timeline. So if you look at your timeline or your horizon, this is something that's well-known as a horizon model, the way you build your your portfolio is you have something, innovation that's like in your one to two years max time range, right? So these are your services or products, which are known, but you're optimizing them and you're still innovating in that space. And, and it's kind of sure bets and you need to kind of have your business model figured out your channels and all that stuff. And you've got something in your kind of your midterm horizon, which are things where you have a lot of proof that this is a good, return on investment, but there's still areas of ambiguity and things you're testing to kind of figure out if it's going to work. The big bets where companies truly make is like in the long term, what's the long horizon uh, innovation programs that you're working on? And, you know, that's where I'm like, okay, what has Amazon got in that bucket? (laughs) Right? What's in that bucket that they're trying to do? And is it like, you know, you, you might, I would say, I don't know if it's true or not, but like they've talked about changing the way you distribute um, and deliver goods and services, right? We've all seen kind of a lot of that come out a few years ago where they are talking in a world where there'd be bots kind of delivering your groceries, which is like scary, but probably, you know, moving in that reality, which is like, I actually wouldn't mind that. I don't have to get out to go and get stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm lazy <laughs> when it comes to things like that. But um, it's 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 really telling. Like when organizations do things, what is in their innovation portfolio? What, tying this back to the theme of economic downturn, is all comes down to like, where have you distributed your resources and how have you distributed your resources across that? So generally when organizations are doing um, really, really well, and there's not the type of downturn that we're looking at now and the kind of the dollars are being crunched, your distribution is probably something like 70, 20, 10 right? So 70 in the first term, 20 and then 10%. In, in the. what organizations tend to do is they start to say, well, we need to double down on better return on investment. What's going to kind of help us in the immediate future. So you see that model shift from like a 70 to like an 80, maybe 85, right? It's like it's really start shifting. And then like from a 20 to a 10 and then from a 10 to a five, that kind of Mathematics starts to make sense. There's danger and risk in both things. Again, it's how bold do you want to be? <laughs> but it really gives you a framework to start thinking through um, how you're going to start. You know, again, tying it back to making sure you have your impact. And The one thing that you talked about or asked about, which we didn't really kind of give due its due time on, is the communication aspect of this. Um, you know, I strongly believe in the best ways, you need vision to come from from the top of the organization, but actually execution is best done and innovation is driven mostly from a bottom-up approach, right? Empowering your team, empowering those great people that you just spent tons and tons of money hiring and building up and you're, you know, giving them the ability to feel a sense of ownership to like innovate and create and bring great ideas to the forefront, um, and to me, that requires um, really good communication model and that communication model, one of the best frameworks that I've used and it works and it's effective is OKRs, right? Making sure you have an OKR model that can scale down, that clearly articulates and ties back to the objectives, i.e. the vision and the strategy that you're trying to empower. To me, that's where organizations start and you need strong leadership. Like if you're going to talk about spending money on resources and you want to take advantage of what you think might be out there right now, um, I say think because I don't know if this is fact, um, is hiring really, really strong, articulate, clear communicators in leadership roles who understand how to build teams and how to take care of people. Because right now, uh, if you're going to come out of this economic turn and look at it in a profitable way, it's going to be your people that are going to get you there. <laughs>
0: Uh, So true. Um, I I wanted to ask you something, Mohan, that you brought up before in terms of how you should structure or form innovation teams. And you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I I want to talk about something called, the. I think you brought it up before when we spoke, functional innovation teams. Um, So as an enterprise, if I want to kind of think of like opportunities for growth, how do I structure these functional innovation teams?
1: in the discipline of like i'll talk about what my experience is and where it lies and and it lies more in the area of like product development and and in the area of software um when i look at like what needs to be there you need to really have strong product teams and strong product leaders that can lead that type of a structure right so i've seen you know executives actually have like a go-to person who's like on their board who's leading their innovation track of work within the organization and that person becomes a pillar for like whether it's i'm going to go out and take advantage of the downturn and you know acquire an organization and, and do that way or whether i'm going to start forming our own internal teams and i think because of the budget size you need to really a have strong leadership, but a nimble team. And I think they need to be self-contained autonomous units. And that structure means it's got, you know, in a product world, it's going to have your delivery arm, right? So your development team It's going to have your product innovation arm. So your product team, and then it's going to have your strategic arm, which is your product strategy, strategists that you have in there. Those three combined together form the structure. And what's the size of the team? I would argue you need to keep, each one of these units, no bigger than 10 to 15 people. Right. And to me, that gives you a really self-contained autonomous unit that can deliver impact really quick. And also if you need to pivot can even be moved over without a drastic impact on the overall team structure. Cause it's a nice really uh purposeful uh, structure.
0: Okay. Um, just a couple more questions before I wrap up. I want to talk about horizons. And you you, you mentioned Mohan, but uh Ashela, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I want to ask, in terms of innovation, can you, especially now, like trying to figure out how do I get out of this or how do I get through this downturn? Can you really think one, three, five, or 10-year horizons, especially at a time when you're trying to figure out how to survive?
2: I mean, he- Yes, I think, I think it's out of necessity, right? I think survival requires you to think in that, in that capacity, um, you know, and there's a way that you can, um, create this, this space and organize your teams to, uh, be purposeful and thinking about those different horizons, right? And then what is your investment, um, and how is that going to support each of those horizons? You know, I think we talked about it earlier, but like if we think about horizon three, um, it really is like looking at what some of these other larger tech companies are doing. Where are they investing? What's in their innovation portfolio? Like going back to the Amazon, you know, like why are they actively acquiring like all of these smaller um, health companies like you know what's going on there right they obviously have a health strategy they want to capitalize on the pharmaceutical space like so what is that going to look like and once they start to do that and they actually start to execute on their strategy is there an opportunity for your organization to um, create some sort of product uh that is part that can become part of that ecosystem i think is like one way to kind of look and organize uh yourself around those horizon three opportunities um and then so always looking at kind of those adjacent adjacent industries or sectors to understand what's going on Um, but yeah to go back to your question i think that it is a necessity that we focus on the near term and then long-term opportunities. Uh, and then it's just kind of balancing, as Mon said earlier, balancing that mix of um, how much investment we're we're making, uh, depending on kind of where we're at um, in that different in, in the cycle, right? So if we're going into a downturn, then you know maybe it is really like 70%. You're focused on uh, those near-term. Um, near-term opportunities, and you know, the 10% is focused on Horizon 3. But I think that um, we would not be doing ourselves any justice if we were just to stop. And just to focus only in what's right in front of us. But I I and I wanna go, I think like um, that innovation framework is really important when we start thinking about horizons as well, right? And it does like a lot of empowering our teams to come up with ideas and allow them to bubble up is super important. Um it it obviously helps to create a culture, it helps to empower our teams. We we have, like, we can learn so much from our, our teams, um, but also uh, I think it allows there to be structure in how we approach innovation. So um, if you actually do have a framework, then you're able to, you know, take all of those ideas and put them through a flow in how you manage um the feasibility, the impact of those ideas, you know, what are they, t- are they tied to um, our business objectives? And then you have those um, key indicators that you're, you're measuring. So um, when it comes to actually realizing the return on your investment, you know, you have that framework in place and it becomes a lot easier than to kind of manage how you, um, how you innovate within your organization.
0: Okay. Okay. Good, great. Um okay, last question. Uh it's for the both of you. Um you guys all have different kinds of uh markets, sectors, industries, so to speak, that you guys all focus on. So I want to ask about the last couple of months and what you're seeing in like the next six months. Interesting trends that you could, you know, uh see that are happening in your sectors. So like um Shelly, you're, you know, a lot of the work that you do is in the public and the energy sector. And with Mohan, I think it's more financial insurance space. So maybe I'll start off with you first, Mohan. Like what are you seeing? What, what have you seen in the last few months? Um, what are you seeing like changing in the next few months in, you know, the finance insurance space sector that is different or interesting?
1: Wow, uh, that's a good question. Um, when I look at, like, I'm going to go back and say, if you look at what's happening right now, and I'm thinking of, again, how people are looking at their current um, their current plans, I don't think you're just reacting to trends that you're kind of seeing. Like we're, it's always like what we're looking at versus what um, organizations, in, especially in like in the financial sector market or whether it's the insurance market, I've been looking at, like 3 months ago right they're they're constantly investing and learning and doing so it's like if you give me the time frame of 6 months i would argue there's nothing new that <laughs> um, the trends the trends that are going on are actually like they're, they're well known they're like actually they're being set by these organizations and you know it's it's all about um, being customer centric what are the most immediate problems and this is really interesting because what's going to happen right now is actually a pivot and the pivot is gonna be if we're into a recession and we're into the, the downturn of the market, people have less money to spend, you're gonna have to actually move away from where the trends were going to actually understand what are the immediate needs. And that comes back to you, you know, doubling down on your um, your horizon one type of innovations, right? And again, innovation is not the end, it, it's the means to the end. Right? So I'm just like making sure we, we understand that again, Trends within these industries, um, and the reason why I'm not going to start, you know, spinning off where they're going. Whether it's, um, you know, the insurance industry, there's a huge trend around how do I make sure that I can give back cost savings to customers. This has already been in the works. What I think is going to happen, it's going to be like a double down on how do I come up with ways to do that. So, um, you know, yes, there's software that helps you see. It's a great driver <laughs> and if and there's a rating and just you know but where the aggressiveness the change in the strategy is going to happen is a first of all i'm going to put more resources on something like that because there's going to immediate customer benefit and you can get more people onto your platform now who tie into your so you're, you're looking at volume growth not necessarily revenue growth to try to track that type of talent so there's different strategies that you start to employ and this goes back to what is your overall business objective? is it volume growth, grow your volume base so that you can like, then have a good pro uh, user base when you come out. And then you can again, start to create margin by adding extra value. But this is this is part of the overall thing that I'm seeing that's going on right now. And it's just the right way to think about it, to be honest.
0: Okay. Uh, Shelly, what are you seeing in the public and energy sectors?
2: Yeah, so I think, uh, so in the public sector, I mean, so government's in a unique spot uh, right now. I think the the greatest takeaway from COVID was that, oh, wow, things could actually happen very quickly if we just, you know, uh, work together um, to, to build. So uh, I think that's opened up the possibilities for how government, um, is going to move forward and how they're going to start to really think about how they are um, transforming their, their services and how they're, you know, rendering their services. I think, you know, being citizen-centric in this case um, is, is equally important. Um, you know, I think consumers, they, they expect the same Um, from an Amazon product and they're gonna expect the same from their healthcare provider or um, from their government services, right? So I think government is starting to move in the direction where they're really, okay, gonna take this momentum that we had from having to um, move away from paper-based systems and introduce more uh, digital products uh, into their environment. And, and that's good. That trend is going to continue to, um, to go forward. Um, of course, like there was a massive shift in how we were uh, acquiring and interacting with services as well. Right. So I think there's going to be more and more innovation that comes out of that space. If we think, you know, telehealth, for example, um, there's just going to be a lot more happening in that, in that space. And I think it's really based on the fact that citizens are just going to expect more and more and so it's really up to government to uh to respond and um and start to really sh- change the way uh, they're providing services um the energy space um there's a ton of course going on in the energy space um and so what we're focused on now is really kind of helping. Um, it's 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 really kind of the same thing, actually. When you think about it, it's like how do we um, how do energy companies like whether it's retail, like how are they getting their services um, to their customers right across their value chain? Like, what does that look like? There's a lot that's happening more back office. I would say back office innovation um, that ultimately will hit um, your customer in one way or the other, whether it's, you know, retail or commercial, but, um, I think it's just this idea that we have to continuously digitize, um, products and, um, and processes to create efficiency. And I think that actually is like a key to kind of this survival, um, uh, Notion in a downturn, right? Is like where can you capture the most amount of efficiency um, that is going to help create more capacity amongst your teams um, and you know have allow you to operate in a in a much more efficient way. So I think that's really important, something that we shouldn't kind of lose sight of, because I think right we've been talking a lot about kind of um the downstream um changes that need to happen, but there's a lot that can be done um, in terms of like our back office transformation.
0: For sure. And that's a great time to actually invest in those things because Mm. you have a bit more time, right. To go and fix things that, you know, you haven't had the chance to do, you know, before because it's a bit slower of a period. So yeah, that's a very true um, situation that I've been seeing a lot of companies are starting to go through as well.
1: Um, okay, yeah, great. Just, oh. just want to add one yeah. one thing to that because we talk about COVID and one of the most interesting things, and I think this is whether it's whichever industry you look at, um, you know that I previously was in in the star. <laughs> so I've had experience there as well in that industry. One of the things that was really interesting during COVID that I've seen happen and replicated across is investing in technology and the companies that did that are seeing two to five x growth and margins like it's it's a fact right so the people that actually invested during that downturn into technology are reaping the benefits of that and again it speaks to like investing in the right things um you can come out of this really really on top of the uh, the market and be the different you know be the leader of that market that you're in yeah Sorry,
0: just want to add that. No, it's great. It's a great way to end it. Well, uh, yeah. So I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. Um Shelley Moran, thank you so much for coming on and you know, giving such great answers and sharing your wisdom. I really really appreciate it. And um to the audience members who are going to be uh watching this uh, at a later date, I hope you enjoy the content and uh please follow us on LinkedIn and get more of our uh uh, episodes around product innovation. So once again, Shelley, Mohan, thank you so much.